In this episode of the Get Out of Your Own Way podcast, I talk to Jonathan Acott, a cancer survivor who is living an extraordinary life. Jonathan's endured cancer diagnosis and treatment six times over in the last 20 years. He has had more than his fair share of setbacks, but this inspirational man is unstoppable. Jonathan's story is one of resilience and grit, which includes his personal challenge to run a marathon on every continent. He shares his journey openly and authentically, and his tenacious attitude is infectious. Jonathan doesn't believe in the power of positivity, but as you will hear, his story is nothing but positive and life-affirming. Let's find out how Jonathan got out of his own way. So, welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Way podcast, Jonathan. It's a real pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I would love for you to share with our listeners your story. So, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer in 2004. I was 29, um, self-examining in the shower, as everyone should. Um, Found a lump, went to A&E because I didn't have a doctor, a GP at the time. Um, Was told it was something called an epididymal cyst, which I thought, great, if it gets any worse, come back and see us. No problem at all. So I went home quite relieved, quite happy, quite relaxed. Um, Three months later, not only had it not got any better, it got significantly worse. So I went to see my GP, which I had then managed to find by then. And within 10 seconds, you went, that's not an epididymal cyst, that's testicular cancer. That three months had gone from being a very localised, very immediately treatable disease through to systemic. So I had tumours all over my body, lymph, lung. Um, So I had what's called an orchidectomy. They took away my right testicle. Uh, 12 weeks of chemotherapy. And in August that year, I was in remission. Um, so that was 2004, I was in remission. And then 2007, part of a routine scan, they found a lump attached to my left lung. Um, that turned out to be called something called a rhabdomyosarcoma, sarcoma, uh, which I had ch- open chest surgery. And then I was in remission again, unfortunate relapse. Wind the clock forward. I'm having regular checks now for my blood levels. And the problem with my cancer in general is that unless it gets to a certain size, you can't see it. 2013, I had something called a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which was an incision from, from sort of chest to pubis. That was 2013. 2016, I had the same surgery again because I relapsed again. And my blood then, very shortly after, my levels started to rise again. Um, and whilst looking for that tumour, they found a bowel cancer. As part of my routine checkups, trying to find the first cancer. So in 2018, they had they found it again, and it was next to my left kidney. So I have something called a nephrectomy and a splenectomy. So that's the matter of fact. Wow, sharing six experiences of of cancer over a twenty year period, just less than two decades. So the majority of your adulthood. Yeah. Obviously, you 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 identified it. You can break down. You identified it as a moment, but actually, like I said, so that that third cancer, I knew I was ill for eighteen months. So actually, the period of time where cancer has been, I have actively had cancer over that period of time, probably ten years out of the last eighteen years, something like that. The treatment bit's actually the easy bit. Tell me more. 
Well, if you know what's wrong, you want to fix it. To know something's wrong and you can't fix it until it's bad enough to be fixable, that is mentally very draining. That's tiring. That's hugely debilitating to live, to wake up every day conscious that you have active cancer, but not enough active cancer to be treatable. Uh, that, that, that is the part that I found always before. The surgery, cut me open as many times as you like, get rid of it, no problem at all. No fuss, no muscle, no drama. You know, I'm big, I'm strong and tough. I have no, I've got a ridiculously high threshold to pain. Let's just crack on, get it done. Chemotherapy is next level misery. But the mental drain to live with cancer, I mean, the people do it, millions of people do it all over the world every day. They are living with active cancer and not knowing what the next week, month, six months looks like is incredibly debilitating. You actually pray for treatment. When did you recognise the difference between the praying for the treatment and there being a fix versus the the challenge of it not necessarily being fixable at that point in time? Well, you actually need to add a third one into that mix as well, actually. Okay. Because you've also got the, I'll never be in remission again. So there's no, now it is, when it went systemic, and I've relapsed so many times, all I'll ever hear now is there's no evidence of disease in your body. So you have no active cancer at this moment in time. So you have this threefold tension of being ill, wanting treatment, being ill, waiting for treatment, and having treatment and still not still knowing that it could come back at any time. So there's a there's a, a tension there constantly born out of helplessness in a lot of cases and a lot of time. And denial, well, no, 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 no denial anymore. There was a lot of denial. Yeah, so there's th- that that critical tension is. You, it moved through me, and I moved, I've moved through that process like a wave. You know, I'm at a point now where I can reasonably say, and with no negativity, no defeatism, and no and no despair attached to it, I'm pretty re- re- resolved the fact that cancer will kill me at some point. That is not in any way, shape, or form giving in or conceding. It's accepting my truth because denial allows me to live the life I want to live. Denial allows me to not limits me from making the memories I want to make or having the fun I want to have or living the life I want to live. You know, I'll be the first six-time cancer survivor to run a marathon on every continent. Sorry. But I presume I'm the first. But I would never have done that if I wasn't prepared to accept the fact that life's short and you have to make the most of it. So what I'm hearing is this journey, this incredibly testing, my words, testing, challenging journey that's lasted nearly two decades has also given you something in terms of you're living your life fully on your terms now yeah I think I get asked this a lot would you rather I, you know, I did a podcast the last would you rather have would you change where you are now and who you are now if you didn't have to go through that journey you went through I'm like oh, no because I like who I am now but of course I wouldn't want to go through what I've been through my body doesn't my body barely works um you know I've got I've got I've got so many things wrong with me that you know be, you can't worry about it, but I really like who I am now, and I didn't really like who I was then. And yeah, you know, this whole thing's about getting out of your own way. You've done bad things in your life. You've done good things in your life. You've done interesting things in your life. You have to accept that that's you are where you are, for better or worse. You might have divorced. You might be separated. You might be. You know, it doesn't matter. That is where you are. And until you know where you are in this world, you cannot possibly move forward. I could give you a map 
and it could lead you to nirvana. But if you didn't know where the fuck you were starting from, you would never get there. And so that basically that's the foundation of my of my talks and my 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 life and my ethos. So you have your three pillars. I start I start with ownership of your situation for better or worse. I love it. I love owning the power that it gives you to to move forward, to to just be where you are, to embrace who you are. But that that level of personal responsibility is something that I'm really passionate about as well. But I also recognise that for some it's very challenging to be vulnerable or to take courage or, or bravery or to accept the circumstances in which you find yourself in. So I'm curious, Jonathan, how did you come to terms with your situation? Time, breakdown, suicidal ideation and counselling. Sorry, therapy, not counselling, therapy. Are you okay to share a bit more about those experiences? Yeah. I, I had got to a dark place where I wasn't, it was becoming very monotonous to continue ad nauseum, getting ill, getting better, getting ill, getting better. And it got to a point where I felt like it might be better if I wasn't subjecting myself or anyone else to that. And, you know, when you have as many surgeries as I've had, they give you the good pills. So I, I'd been stockpiling them for a good period of time. And I didn't. And I there was an intervention and I went through to see therapy. And I saw a guy called Andrew, who's a clinical psych- uh, psychotherapist. Um, he's an interventional psychiatrist, actually. So he's the one you'd send to to, to people who are in real desperate problems. And we talked at length for months. Um, and I was never in crisis after that point, but I had never spoken about me. I'd never, I'd never framed or phrased some of the things I was struggling with before. And it was through the process of doing that that I was able to reach a degree of peace. And it wasn't, you know, it, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a stupid guy. I'm relatively smart. And I know, I know... But what I didn't know is why I was feeling like that. Because the simple answer is, oh, it's cancer, it's chemotherapy, da 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 Yeah, you know, it's, but that's too, too trite. It's not, it's not deep enough for me to understand because millions of people get cancer, have chemotherapy, and they're not feeling like this. And yeah, six years and 20 years, da da da, da. But, but he explained this idea to him about my, so I lost my 30s, really. Career interrupted, you know, everything was difficult. I made some poor choices. And it was your 30s as a man or as a woman are actually very significant. It's a very significant decade because you're supposed to be out there. It's your warrior phase and you're supposed to be out there climbing your mountains and, and killing your tigers and exploring and hunting and gathering. Da, 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 and, all that. and I didn't do that. You know, I'd reach a pinnacle of success or I'd reach a degree of success in my career and I'd get ill or I'd, do, or I'd be self-destructive and do something stupid like change jobs on a whip. Or I would... Yeah, drink too much or did you know yeah, I became very self-destructive and I was in denial not about the illness but about the fact that I was losing my 30s or I had a lot you know I was not living the life I was genetically predisposed to lead and what helped me was understanding that's why I was feeling the way I was I can rationalize everything else but that that was really unsettling me because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing so if I understand what you're saying correctly, it was through the interventional psychotherapy that helped you to understand that you were grieving your 30s. Yep. 
you weren't aware that that was what was happening to you when you were um, participating in or, or creating self-destructive behaviours? No, not at all. Okay. Didn't understand that was, didn't understand. My, you glib, you glib, you glib psychiatry and your pop psychologist saying, oh, no, you know, it's, you know, you're just in denial about your state of health, et cetera, et cetera. But it was more fundamental than that. I wasn't living my life the way actually I was perhaps should have been, not on an intentional level, but on a genetic, you know, evolutionary level. But what helped me was the phase after warrior is king. And king is I'm sat on my throne and actually I can dispense wisdom to the warriors around me and I am comfortable with who I am now and there's a degree of... And it was just that imagery helped me get out of my way because actually, coming back to the ownership point, can't get that time back i can't do that different i can't not have cancer you are where you are and accepting that but accepting my new role was hugely helpful and i lent into that i've i've had an amazing life i've got books worth of stories and adventures and misadventures and thoughts and ideas and i'm very happy at that point now because i'm I recognize now what I'm not. Take running as an example. I'll never be a fast runner, but I can work on my grit and my mental fortitude, and I can work on getting that to be as optimal as I want it to be. So I counterbalance what I'm not with what I am. What has leaning into who you are given you? What's it given me? Peace of mind. How so? You know, you look at LinkedIn. And you look at LinkedIn and you look at a job and so you go, cool, I could have done that. Yeah, but you didn't. I could do it. I could, I could be there doing that, but you're not. Why are you not? Well, everyone does that. And they compare themselves. I do it far less than I ever used to because I know I can't. I know I'm not. And I don't have those opportunities anymore. They will not present themselves to me anymore. Fine. Not a problem with that. But having peace of mind to know that that's going to happen or not going to happen that's quite liberating is it also is there a case for it also being though that you're choosing for them not to happen you've taken yourself out of that race whatever that race may be no you take yourself i'm taking myself out of a race i can't compete in i'm never going to be i'm never going to be the sporting director for formula one i don't have 10 years worth of experience because i lost 10 years of my, my, my career i'm never going to be a hotel general manager, because I've never worked in hotels. You recognise your limitations, but not not your limits. I could still perform very, very, very well in in a corporate environment if it was the right corporate environment for me. I don't exclude myself from the possibility of working for a company again at all, but I exclude myself from daydreaming about jobs I couldn't do because I don't have... I wasn't good enough or I spent 10 years getting ill and you know I've been I've been made redundant six times or unemployed six times five of them nothing to do with me whatsoever one of them I wasn't good enough for the role I fair no problem five of them nothing to do with me I've been I've beaten myself up about that consistently not anymore maybe that they weren't for me but now you try and find your own way like I'm doing now self-employed broke, worried, but self-employed. Because actually, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. 
So how do you balance the the worries and the view that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? The worries are simple. The worries are, can I pay my bills this month, next month, month after? That's that's the work. Do I worry about the quality of the work I do? No, because I'm 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 actually a very good coach and I'm a, and I'm a good I'm a damn good speaker. I worry about I can't get enough work in, but that's born out of not for, see that's interesting. That's an interesting one because that's I'm not then for I believe I'm potentially not fulfilling my potential if I don't speak to enough people. So your perspective is more concerned with not being able to share your message as far and wide as you could than you are with some practicalities of life. Yeah, because there's there's a hard number I have to pay my bill to, to to pay my bills. Yeah. And that as long as I hit that hard number, and I don't I don't care how I do that. I don't care how I pay my bills. As long as my bills are paid. That's all I need to do. My passion is is this. My passion is speaking to people. Would you have this perspective had you not been through what you've been through? Can't answer that. I don't know that. I have because I haven't I haven't not been through what I've been through. If you take yourself back 25 years ago. I was very money motivated at that time, yeah. I would have defined success in a very different way. Yes. Success would have been nice house, two houses, four or five holidays a year, fast car, da-da-da-da-da. And now success is being happy. And your happiness comes from actually what does my happiness come from? It's a very good question. The joy in my life comes from the small things, because in I mean, I'm well, I'm 47. There's probably at most half a dozen big happy events every year, at most. Call it five, just for the ease of math. That means there's 360 days in the year when nothing spectacular is going to happen. You with me? Mm-hmm. So, one percent versus 99 percent. Your life is happening in the 99%, right? You can dress up however you want. An average Tuesday morning where nothing happens, that's your life. If you can find joy in those 99% of the days, in those 360 days, if you can find happiness in those days, then you're winning. So yesterday I met a friend of mine, I haven't seen him for a couple of months, in London. I took train to Waterloo, I ran along the South Bank, watching the seagulls on the Thames, marvelling at the cold air coming out of my lungs, made a little reel going over uh, the Millennium Bridge, had a look at some pools, got on the tube, went to a beautiful, wonderful coffee shop, had an incredible cup of coffee, caught up with a mate of mine, went for an 11k run around the Olympic Park, had a meeting talking about a film project, Came home and walked along the South Bank watching the tourists. Best I've had it in ages because it was the small bits and pieces that made it lovely. It was the amazing cup of coffee in a new coffee restaurant, in a new co- in a new cat coffee restaurant, in a new cafe. It was going for a run and seeing the Olympic Parks. I haven't been there since 2012. These aren't big things. These are little things. And if you don't open your eyes and see the little things, then you're missing 99% of your life. So my happiness is intrinsically linked to my appreciation of the mundane. Like this. So you message me, do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, happy to. Say yes to more things. If you say yes to more things, be prepared um, physically and mentally to say yes to things and do things, then amazing opportunities await you. 
My life will be enhanced by talking to you today. My life certainly is enhanced by talking to you today too. Everything is life affirming and life enriching if you look for it. Yeah. Everything. And it's not, it's not that hard. What advice would you give to somebody who hasn't been challenged in the way that you've been challenged to think that way, to find beauty in the mundane, to find joy in the everyday? The maths. The maths does it. You don't, you don't need to, you don't, dear God, don't be challenged like me. That's just, that's just a depressing way to get there. All right. So I have this idea about baseline of happiness, right? Everyone's life does this, yeah? Up and down. Up and down. But like a seesaw, right? A seesaw that's static is really boring. <laughs> you have to have a down to have an up on a seesaw. Every dark, no new day started without darkness before it. You cannot have light without dark. You cannot have up without down, right? Facts, physics, maths. Everyone's life does this, but sooner or later you return back to your normal state. My obsession is taking my normal state up an inch. Because as a kid, life's full of these, isn't it? Like there are so many moments and events as a kid. And as you get older and older and older, you know, it goes like driving tests, virginity, graduation, did it, all these big moments in your life. And you get into your adulthood and you know, wedding, divorce, move house, new job, promotion, but they get fewer and fewer and further and further and further apart. So you spend more and more time at your base level of happiness. I've just alluded to it. 99% of your life is spent at your baseline of happiness. If you could make that 1% better, 99% of your life would be 1% better. And it is as simple as your first coffee in the morning, taking a second to sip it and savour it, not just drop it down your mouth. When you go outside and you look at your iced-up car, I did a talk the other day, and it was during the really cold spell just before Christmas. I was in London. I said, anyone appreciate the cold weather? There's 55, 56 people in the room. I said, anyone appreciate the cold weather? Not a single person was appreciating it. I said, so, sorry, none of you are looking at the ice on the trees or the frosty lawn or the way the, fra the ice fractals are on your windscreen. None of you are looking at any of this. You are just viewing it as cold, horrible weather. That's my difference. I have my eyes open all the time, like a child. I see everything intentionally, absolutely intentionally. If you're laser focused on your task in hand, you don't have a soft gaze and you're not looking around, taking in what's around you. Just don't. I just, that is the secret for me. It's about opening your eyes. And it literally is opening your eyes. I don't mean figuratively or metaphorically. I mean, literally opening your eyes and looking around you at more than just your circumstance. Yes, I had to de-ice the car this morning. And yes, it was cold. But at the same time, it was really pretty, really pretty. And that's my secret. I could listen to you for days, I think, because... Bless you, thank you. No, serious, I, I seriously could because I am in awe of your strength, having faced a number of challenges. The, the cancer is obviously a, a major part of that. You've also talked about being unemployed six times and you know for a lot of people one circumstance not 12 circumstances which can be perceived as challenges or, or setbacks um, can be incredibly difficult to move forward from 
and to hear the real passion in your voice about the beauty of the mundane and being a radiator and emanating joy and offering other people insights into where to find awe in the in the most basic of things how to take things which as humans we're sort of predisposed to being a bit negative about whether that's being chilly or or getting poorly but just being challenged and actually taking something out of those situations and looking for the helper looking for the sunlight looking for the light within but what I'm hearing is a real self-determination a real set of owning your own story and saying I'm going to intentionally design my life to get better and better because I know what the flip side is but part of me wonders Jonathan that even if you didn't know what the flip side is if there's just something inherent within you to look for the beauty I don't know I never was like I wasn't like this as a kid. I wasn't like this as a as a, a callow youth or even as a young adult. I think part of it. I'm not a motivational speaker that believes in clapping your hands and cheering and making a mission and wishing everything was so. Life is hard. Life is dark and it is full of tragedy and no one gets out alive and bad things happen to bad people and they happen to good people as well and just shit goes wrong and that's fine. But you have to understand that's going to happen because the moment you do, you can actually build from there. Because if you believe that life should be fair just because you're fair, I'm afraid you're an idiot. Um, Life is problematic. The idea, it seems inherently unfair that bad things happen to good people and vice versa. But life is inherently unfair. But sometimes, I think you have to rid yourself of that, that... I hate this word, but victim mentality. This is why are these things always happening to me. So I'll tell you a story. So I went skydiving once. So there's 400 people there raising money for a testicular cancer charity. And the only person there who's had testicular cancer is me. The only person whose parachute didn't open is me. Yep. No. Long story short, landed perfectly safely, obviously. But the point is, The universe is not out to get you. If I can believe that, I'm very certain that that traffic jam isn't there just to spite you. There is no no such thing as a conspiracy theory to stop you getting what you want in life. Sometimes bad things just happen and stupid things just happen. Soon you resolve yourself to that idea, the happier your life will be. I um, am lost for words. Has there ever been a point in time where you felt sorry for yourself? All the time. During treatment, I have had countless hours and days of utter misery of recovering from chemotherapy. I do feel sorry for myself because to deny bad things are happening is just it's just foolhardy. You're lying to yourself. Authenticity is what's important. To deny that is inauthentic. To wallow in it is wasting my life. Don't deny yourself a negative feeling, for God's sake, because then you're just denying who you are. All that's required is authenticity and honesty with yourself. Are you happy at this moment in time? Yes or no? No, why not? 
And if you can't articulate it, then you have a fundamental issue because you're not self-aware enough to actually know where you're going. If you're unhappy because your career is unfulfilled, let's look into that and investigate that and understand that. Owning your problem, owning your situation, frees you up to do a lot of things. But sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you have to hear, this is not going to work. And yeah, so yes, I feel sorry for myself and I indulge myself and I let myself feel sorry for myself. I don't wallow in it. And you voice it and you explain it and you get to the bottom of it and you resolve it or move on. Hopefully resolve it and move on. Um, We start with the idea that time is your most important commodity. And with 4,000 weeks average lifespan, 4,000 Mondays, I'm, even if I wasn't ill, I'm probably into my last 2,000 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm slightly in my way because I'm scared of scared of succeeding. Because actually, if this does work, then, you know, I, I can take open to work off of my LinkedIn profile. And what would it feel like to lean into the fear? It's, 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 not, it's not paralyzing. It's just, oh, shit, what if this works? You won't know unless you try. Exactly. Whether you can or you can't, you're probably right. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your your wisdom. I have taken so much from what you've shared around finding joy in the mundane, taking personal responsibility for being happy and fulfilled in life and how it is entirely possible to get out of your own way with the right mindset and support. It's been my pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.